Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C. And today, my returning guest is David T. Rex Ferguson. Just want to give a quick update on the fact that, you know, this is we're winding down the year. I'm taking two weeks off. I took a week off in November, but that's because I had to help my mom. So it was not a vacation. I need an actual vacation. And as I have said in past shows, I'm extremely burnt out. And the last thing I want to do is just talk about Trump. I fucking hate him. And so I'm inviting guests on my show that are Kimberly's Happy Place guests, right? The comfort food guests. Today was David. On Monday, Bob's coming, Bob Seska. And <laughs> and I just said Bob's coming. Anyway, so I, I'm, I think I'm going to do... I know I'm going to talk with Stephanie tomorrow, Steph Walton. We're going to do a patrons-only show. But... I'm going to try to get her on for next Wednesday. And then this Wednesday is just a big fat secret because they haven't confirmed yet. Anyway, keep that in mind that the guests that I'm going to be having on are are the guests that I don't have to do a lot of work for or be really serious. I just want it to be fun. And I don't, you know, if we talk about politics, great. But that's not going to necessarily be the sole focus. It, It might happen to turn out to be that way one day, but you know, when I talk to Jody, we just we could talk about everything, just like with David. So from now until the end of the year, it's just going to be guests that Kimberly has a lot of fun with and feels that they're easy, meaning that I don't have to be all serious. <laughs> so basically, the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners. It's also woman run. Hi, I'm that woman. And I don't have corporate backers. I don't use advertisers. It's patrons who keep the show going. So if you enjoy today's show, please take a look at the about page because I've listed some past guests and I've had some amazing people. God, this year, I, I, I should I should go over the list, which I maybe will prepare later, but uh, some amazing people that I had the opportunity to talk to this year. I got to talk to Steve Schmidt. He was kind of a dick, but you know what? He was on my show. <laughs> and I also got to talk to Gloria Allred, which was not my favorite interview, but that was like a big deal to me that she was on my show. And I've had people that I, you know, I've had Joe Walsh. I think that the first time he came on my show, though, was in 2019. But he, I think he was on this year, too. And just some really cool people. I've had Glenn Kirshner. And I've talked to people like uh, Charlotte Clymer and Molly Jong Fast. And trying to just go through the list of people. There's just Kirk Acevedo, Kirsten Warren, Kristen Johnston, the actress. So many cool people. So check out that about page. I have linked shows, those particular shows to the, you know, if I if I put up that I was talking to Glenn Kirshner, there's a link to his show. So you could go check that out. And if you like the show, I just ask to be, please consider becoming a patron. You could start for like two bucks a month. And if you decide that you want to upgrade, you can upgrade later. And this is the part of the show where I tell you what I do. On Mondays and Wednesdays, I do free shows. If you're signed up and you're a patron for any dollar amount, those shows are delivered to your email box. And then if you sign, so so if you sign up for $4 or less, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get each free show delivered to your email box plus you're going to get one patrons only show. I do two of those per month, usually with Steph Walton, but I do two of those per month. So you'll get one of those. If you sign up for $5 or more, you get everything I just said, plus you get the extra, the second patrons only show. And then you get after every free show, I do Kimberly's after party. And it's just me talking about whatever the fuck I feel like talking about. 
So today I, I did that. I talked about whatever the fuck I wanted to talk about. I did, I did talk about something that was kind of serious and, and kind of upsetting, but not personal, but it was something I saw in the news, but I ended it on a positive note. So just keep that in mind if you take a listen. So that's what you get if you sign up for $5 or more. You just go to patreon.com slash start me up. You can see all the tiers that I've created and you can go into any of those tiers and change the dollar amount, make it whatever you want. So like you could go into the $25 tier and make it into a $75 tier, but I've got six of them. So just keep that in mind. Again, that's patreon.com slash start me up. And you can also make a one-time donation by checking out the Patreon description in all of my posts. I always include my email address and you can use that in for with PayPal. And you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. So don't forget, please go by Apple Podcasts. You can get there through iTunes if it's an app. Go to Apple Podcasts and become a subscriber because that's free. And then while you're there, and so many people do this and I'm so grateful, uh, just give me a review. Give me a rating and a review. All free. You don't have to write a lot about the you know show. Just say, hey, I really dig this show. Or you know, I like, I like this show, whatever you want to say. You don't have to write a paragraph. I know people get freaked out by reviews and they think, I don't know what to say. You don't have to worry about it. Just say that you like the show because as an author, as a podcaster, I need those reviews to grow my show. And I just want to take this time to say that thank you to everybody who's a patron and everybody who gives me reviews. It really has helped me. And I've, I've increased my listeners this year, which was a goal. And my goal for next year is to increase it by more, and I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> going to keep having those fun guests on. And so anyway, that's it. Uh, now please enjoy my conversation with David T-Rex Ferguson. Welcome back to the show, David. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Oh, my God. So this is going to be, I think, the third to the last free show before my break. And I am so ready for the break. <laughs> yeah, you're so disciplined turning out episodes. Well, I, you like, know. <laughs> I've got so many different projects going right now. And then I'm just like, I'll take a big wild detour and paint the bathroom. And yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like, I mean, I do promise. I do try to deliver what I promise. So I make the promise. But I, th I know what's going to happen is I'm going to be on vacation and then I will be so ready to get back. That's always what happens doing this particular job. Not necessarily, you know, other jobs that I've had, but this particular job, I, I know that I'm like chomping at the bit to get the fuck out. And in fact, I found, I found this book that I'm dying to read. And I can't really give too many details because it's by a woman who I used to know. And I didn't know her very well. It's just, I knew her when we were in our 20s. And Mm -hmm. The long story short is that I had this friend who was gay, but he didn't, he was also Mormon and he didn't want to admit that he was gay, like to himself or to anybody. Obviously it was going against what his religion told him. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I, fuck religion, by the way, can I, I just give a hearty fuck religion? But I, you know, I mean, I, and I, I, I had a crush I just, on him. I feel like the Jesus fandom is really toxic. It is. It's, you know? it's toxic. I mean, but, in some cases, like my grandmother, who was Catholic, I think she represented all the good things about religion, but she's definitely an anomaly. Uh, but anyway, so so they were Mormon, and, and I think Mormon is especially strange from everything that I've read. And, you know, and I can't go into too much detail because I don't want to give these personalities away. I'm talking about their personal and private lives. So anyway... 
I really liked this guy and he was a good, good friend of mine. And we never did anything. We never kissed or we never did. Like there was one night where he declared that I was his girlfriend and I was so happy. And, you know, I, I mean, I think I kind of knew that he was gay, but I just didn't want him to be and he didn't want to be. And so we laid on the floor and I was trying to just affectionately touch him as you would, you know, someone you love. And it felt like I was touching my brother. It was so gross and it was so weird. And I mean, after that, we, you know, we didn't, we didn't, exactly. like, I, I think that he like felt the, the same time, way. Like a friend and I decided we were going to make out and kiss like twice. And we were like, dude, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. She it's, was like, was don't weird. experiment on me, David Ferguson. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, so she wrote a book. And, you know, she's no longer Mormon. The girl, the girl. Oh, I'm sorry. So, so there was the guy that I liked. And then, okay, so in comes this girl and they start dating and she, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and and there's her father was gay and so she's like repeating patterns. And so anyway, she, I, I can't remember what the deal was, but I, at this point I was no longer interested in him that way i I think i had just realized all right this was our this is a friendship and that's all it's ever going to be and that's fine and i was cool and that's kind of i want to textualize it is this this is not college it's high school well no it's it was college age i i I was probably in and you're in maryland or california i was in california i was probably about 19 maybe 19 yeah i was like 19 okay 20 something like that so you know she's She's all into him, and they were together as a couple. Of course, they weren't having sex, but they, they, they were both Mormon, so they weren't having sex. And I know that he kissed her. He had other girlfriends, too, that he would kiss, and, and that would be it. So I never kissed him. And, uh, you know, I mean, just, just but touch But she's written me. a book, so obviously she wants to talk about it to the world. Right, but, but I'm telling private It's not things. Melissa Caron, is it? No. No, and and so she, so anyway. Did you guys take it and then do something crazy with it? I know, really. Um. No, but uh, so anyway, she she came to me and my mom, and because I was living with my mom at the time, and my mom knew my friend, and the gay friend, and so you know, like we we love him and we've always loved him, and we kind of figured out he was gay. And so she comes to us and she's talking to him, talking to us about him. And I can't remember what her issue was, but both my mom and I were like, look, he's gay. And so, you know, we were trying to break it to her because it was so obvious to everyone. And she she was coming from an innocent place and her father, you know, it's so weird because at that point she she knew her father was gay, her gay Mormon father. And so we told her that. So then she tells my friend that we said that and he got so angry and I kept trying to say, look, we love, we love you. We don't give a shit what your sexual orientation is, but you know, she came to us and this is what we said. So it, it caused a fight for a while and then we got over that fight. But anyway, so she wrote a book and I mean, she later got married and she had kids and then I believe she, uh, real, she, she, she left the religion. She left Mormon, Mormonism, whatever you'll call it. So it's like, I'm so mm-hmm. curious to read this book. I just came upon it. And I wonder if she mentions my friend. I wonder if she mentions this whole incident that happened. But beyond that, I'm just interested to read it because she write, you know, I could see the look inside on Amazon and I could uh, get a gate. She's a good writer. And, good. you know, I had some, but that's one of the things I'm going to do on my break is I'm going to read that. But it's like, I know it's going to get to the point where I'm going to be so fucking bored. 
because <laughs> I mean, I'm like, you know, we're going to be quarantined. And I'm well, then bring her on an interviewer. You can record <laughs> things in the vault if you need to, I know. Right? I've really considered that. But the thing is, is that I contacted her. Oh, God. Like, you know, it must have been 2011 or something like that. Because I know that she has done some work in the entertainment industry. Obviously, she's also an author. And I wanted to somehow, I was trying to get my book, The Virgin Diaries, off the ground at that time. So I was like throwing out to everyone. And I, I reached out to her, and she never replied. And I just, mm-hmm. and there was a bit of a rivalry. But you know how that is, though. I mean, things just go by, and sometimes you get with it, and sometimes, you know, you're like, no, I know. did I answer that email? But. But there was like a rivalry. One thing I can say for sure on this whole topic, though, is that being in the closet makes people crazy. Yeah. Well, I um, think that he, I, you know, I, I have not talked to him about his sexuality, but I saw this was back when I was 20. So like around in my 30s, he came over one night uh, for dinner because he had moved out of the state. He, You know, we were in California. He, he moved somewhere else and then he came back. So he came over for dinner and he did. He kind of I think he he recognized he I don't think he said it out loud because he's still Mormon and he still <sighs> is, you know, like talking yeah. about the Lord and stuff on Facebook. But um, and the what is he the Holy Mother and the Holy Father? He uses that kind of language. And um, I mean, but he's also really cool and hip. Like when I hung out with him, we didn't talk about religion. I was like his dirty friend, <laughs> you know, like the friend he could do. I have dirty been that shit. friend for some Mormons on, in the past. Yeah. Um, the friend that makes them coffee and like lets them right, sneak exactly. cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was like, you know. That but was it, a long time ago, but yeah. But I mean, and he was really fun and, you know, he had fun friends and, and everything. So uh, he kind of admitted it. Uh, without admitting it and so i'm wondering at this age because he's like i think he's three or four years older than me i'm certainly hoping that he's just made peace with it but i don't know because he's writing about oh heavenly father and you know if that's the case then he, if he's living as i a know Mormon, some gay christians i mean i, I know but mormonism I, I is to know. he's moved away now but he used to begin his aa talk every time with Hi, I'm Jason. I love Jesus, and I suck dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my co- well, my cousin. With that, the door's right there. You know, Mike. It's um, interesting. My cousin was, I think she was Catholic, and in 2000, I think it was in 12, maybe, I think it was like February 2012. Um, she her her mother died, and she's gay, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. the priest denied her communion, and. She she told she posted about it on Does Facebook. Does priests have a fucking leg to stand on morally? No, you know, no, and he like was those, he was a crooked priest. Black frocked creeps need to back the fuck off the Jesus thing and let other people access it. Well, interestingly though, uh, she posted about it on Facebook, and at the time, my mother, I wasn't, but my mother was writing for Addicting Info, so my mom wrote about it, and it went fucking crazy viral. It put Addicting Info on the map, and I was tweeting to Lawrence O'Donnell and to everybody, and so my cousin wound up going on Lawrence O'Donnell's television show because of my tweet. And her story just became huge and viral. And eventually... I remember this now. Yeah. yeah. We wrote about that at Raw Story. Oh, that's so funny. Right. Well, my mom is the one who broke it. I didn't know that it. was your mom. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Uh, but uh, she's actually Jewish now. She she did leave. But but I think part of the reason she... Because she stayed a Catholic after all of that. And she, she did not hold her own religion accountable for the behavior of that terrible priest but i think that she's jewish because her partner is jewish and she wanted to mm-hmm. you know i think she was married. a little turned well she was yeah and she was a little turned off by what had happened and 
Um, I mean, I, th- I think, but she still st- remained a, a Catholic. And, you know, as much as I am so not religious, I think that in some case, like, for instance, like I said, my grandmother, she only took the good from it. She was never judgmental. She never told you, uh, you know, how you should be or what you should do. Never. She never did. She was always very humble. And, you know, but I'm a Dolly everybody. Parton kind of Christian. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing about Dolly Parton is, that, I mean, I've been listening to the, have you listened to Radio Labs? No. Like, multi-part series, Dolly Parton's America. Oh, my God. If you ever need a reason to believe in our country. And to just like it's just it's one it's a beautiful program. And I need it, to listen because I need to believe in our country. It really explains like who she is and like she's really refrains on the whole from speaking out on politics because she loves all her fans. Yeah. And to her, they are people coming to the music first, and the politics right. will follow. Yeah. Um. And you know, you go to a Dolly Parton concert, and there's like you know Texas. Christian housewives standing next to seven foot tall drag queens next to black lesbians with right. their Chicana partners, you know, and it's just like, yeah. it's just this like whole unifying thing. And I really feel like, I mean, the fact that she contributed, a, you know, a million dollars to the yeah. Moderna vaccine fund. And I'm yeah. just like, you know, that's, that's faith and good works yeah. and just love. Mm-hmm. For the world, I mean, I'm sure probably maybe she like stomps on kittens for kicks or something. I don't know. <laughs> I like, doubt it. <laughs> but on the whole, it just seems like that is the kind of beaming, radiant mm-hmm. love that can connect us all to yes. an image of God that is not judgmental yes, and exactly. is not unaccepting. And you know, and I just like I don't know why people have gotten the whole sexuality and religion thing so bound up together. Yeah. Um, I don't know enough to to comment on. Yeah, I don't know enough to comment on that because I, I mean, I I was not raised with religion. So, you know, I mean, like, for instance, Bob was, you know, brought up Catholic and and he he understands and has read and studied the Bible. I have never read the Bible. So, you know, I mean, only only thing I know is what Marco Rubio tells me on Twitter. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I've read the Bible. I went through an intensely Christian period right before I came out. Hmm. Um, and it wasn't Christian like I hate gays. It was just like wanting to be, I don't know, pure, aligned with God, wanting mm. to feel like yeah. a part of something. Yeah. And um, yeah, I went down the rabbit hole of Christianity. I read the Bible from cover to cover and was just like a <laughs> grave little 12 year old <laughs> talking about the Bible and the Nicene <laughs> Convention and just all this different stuff. And then I was just like, never mind, I'm gay. oh my god that's so funny well you know i'm certainly not religious but i mean it's just i i remember i remember my friend who was gay and mormon he would go missing every once in a while and what was what was happening was he was doing cocaine this was in the late 80s he was doing cocaine and getting blowjobs from from people in adult bookstores and i know this because he would always come to my mom's house to to our house and he'd sit in the living room and cry and he would like he would always like i know he would tell us everything this is so often a hand in hand thing Mm -hmm. the extreme religion thing and people needing to do drugs or alcohol in order to you know shut up that internal yeah prude censor yeah, and he would give like, this he, isn't a nice thing to do you're bad you're dirty you should right do this. exactly you know? so yeah. they but see then they end up having like unprotected sex yeah and they don't use and it just oh god there are so many hiv positive mormon guys on the west coast that like got out of college moved away went completely crazy 
fucked themselves up, you know, and then had to pull it back together again. And it's just like, you know, it's like I tell people like, the, you know, having an amazing like force of nature mom is the worst possible preparation <laughs> for life after she's gone. Oh, yeah. Because mm. it's just like your life has been sort of decapitated. Yeah. Um, but I really feel like uh, like a fundamentalist upbringing of literal Bible banging and like believing that every word of the Bible is true mm-hmm. and closing your ears to sexual education and reproductive health ends up damaging people. Mm-hmm. You, know, you end up – I mean all the girls in my high school that were like super, super Christian and wouldn't take the pill and wouldn't use birth control ended up with you know dropping out because they had babies at 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just like – and they're just – you know. I don't even know what's happened to them. They were right on, but they were right on track to end up right where their parents were, you know. <sighs> but wow. um, yeah, yeah it's, religion. It's tough. It's tough. And I mean, I, you know, uh, the only I think I've told this story before, but my I lived with my grandmother who was Catholic for you know the the two or three months where in 1977 we were living in Baltimore, and my mom drove out to California. And then prep, you know, wanted to get an apartment and everything and get settled. And then I was going to fly out. So that during that time, I was living with my grandmother who went to church every Sunday. And there was this one particular Sunday where for some reason we had to do something before church. So we wound up going to a church, a different one. And there was a a guest priest or whatever who told everybody that the other priest was sick. And then unless we prayed for that other priest, we were all going to go to hell. And I remember <laughs> being nine. Emotional blackmail anyone? <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. was nine, and I thought, this is fucked up. And then I asked my grandmother, I'm like, do you believe that? Because I didn't believe that. But I said, do you believe that? And, and I remember her reaction was kind of like, no. And she just didn't want to talk about it. This was not her church. It was not her, you know, her normal. Because I went to her church, and basically, it was funny, because there was the other experience that I definitely remember standing out was... After all of the, you know, the talk and all the religious stuff they were talking about, then we all sang. And that was my favorite. And I remember I was literally rocking out to that song, Rock My Soul in the Bosom of Abraham. And I mean, I was standing on the pews. I was rocking out. And my my grandmother was enjoying it completely. But I, I remember that day. I was just like, you know, having the time of my life. But you know, I mean, I just to me, church was something that my my grandmother wouldn't leave me home alone because I was nine, so I was forced to go, and I just went, mm-hmm. and she never forced it on me. She just took me because she didn't want to leave me home. She wasn't sitting there trying, you know. She never spoke to me about it. She never tried to get me to, you know, believe anything. She just wanted to go for herself, and it made her feel good. See, I think for a lot of Southern creative people, the church is one of the first places that we encounter art. Right. Yeah, you know, the I mean, the church I grew up in had I mean, it was Episcopal, and we had beautiful stained glass and a mm-hmm. big pipe organ yeah. and a really kick-ass choir, mm-hmm. and it was full of majesty and pageantry and like not a lot of guilt. We didn't have to mm-hmm. go to confession because we're Episcopal. We all stood up in a group and did it together. Just we said this, yeah. you know, for your father, we confess for your sin against the in thought, word, and deed by what we've done, by what we left undone, blah 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 blah. We won't do it again. Yeah. We're super sorry. We'll try to be better. <laughs> Amen. Um, let's get drunk. You know, <laughs> Episcopalians, man, it's wherever you find four Episcopalians together, you'll find a fifth. It's um, <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, oh I, and so church for me and was not a big fire and brimstone thing. It was mm-hmm. where like kind of high art happened my right. mom was this amazing singer and was in the choir was the first soprano and, hmm. uh, you know it was just sort of like 
Yeah, and there was a naked man on a cross at the front of the church. Right, so. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, and that's just kind of creepy in and of itself. Like, Bob always... It's so weird. It it's is too weird. much of Christianity is like voodoo. I know. It's like you Bob know? said, I mean, what if what if he died by the electric chair? Like, would you wear a necklace with the electric chair on your neck? It's like, it's so weird. <laughs> and now that I'm talking about the whole, like, why does religion always automatically go to sexuality? But I think, you know, my 12-year-old self's kneeling in the pew, staring at the holy hip bones and inner thighs of my personal lord and savior jesus christ <laughs> up there in the loincloth looking pretty fly actually except for the wounds <laughs> well i know um, i know yeah. that you know i i have this thing like i don't follow religion and i know obviously there's some pretty shitty things that religious leaders pull but at the same time i recognize that for a lot of people it really does. I mean, it, it, it does harm, but it also does a lot of good because it offers you something to believe in and offers you kind of a moral compass, especially for the people who don't abuse it, because obviously there are people who abuse it. And that's, you know, Marco Rubio, he fucking weaponizes it. But it, I think that it can, yeah, and it it's can so be like, something I mean, that's, that's so against everything that Jesus actually. Right. Said. Exactly. I mean, Jesus was a big, like, you know, spiritual socialist. Very much yes. like, you know, everybody is worthy of the love of God from the lowliest beggar to the greatest king. And yeah. If you have money, give it away. If you pray, do it at home. Yeah. Keep it out of people's faces and let them know you through your works. You know, yeah. let them know you're a Christian, not by what you say, but by the number of hungry people you have fed. Right. And the number of children whose illnesses you have helped. You know, it just. Yeah. Uh, I know. That's like when, when uh, Notre Dame, the cathedral was burning. Oh, my years God. Ago. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, the priceless treasures. And I was like, you know, I hope – I know that humanity will build more Notre Dames. We'll right. build more beautiful things. Yeah. But I hope that the Notre Dames of the future are places that are more like Jesus would be like, comfortable right. in. Because I think yes, you yes, would take yes. Jesus to Notre Dame and he would be like, what's all this fucking gold? <laughs> right. Like why aren't you using this money to feed my children? Yeah. You know, and yeah. I just like that – yeah. So don't, don't get me started. On, you know, <laughs> but that's uh, what I'm here for. You know, it's so funny because I, I definitely want my last shows of the season to just be relaxed. You know, I, I'm not I'm not having any hardcore. People let me say on, one more thing, though, about uh -huh. Christianity, because there is like a, there's a Methodist church like right across the street from their entrance to my subdivision. And when my recovery group needed a new place to meet, they welcomed us with open arms. And, man, they fucking walk the walk. Like once a month for a week, homeless people live in the church. Hmm. They put out cots. They make the meals. Yeah. They feed, and they're like, you know, and every couple days lately I drive by and they're out there in the parking lot separating food bags out yeah. for people. And I'm just like, those people walk the walk. Mm -hmm. They do what Jesus yes. said. So and did that, my it's grandmother. It's funny because there's another Methodist church like right across the street that is like super rich. And all those people have like really fancy cars. And they like had a big schism because they were like, we are not going to go with the Methodist church internationally and allow to have same-sex marriages here. So a bunch of people from that church went across the street to the poor church and they're way happier. Yeah. But it was like – but yeah, you know, Jesus never said like, you know, when they were breaking up loaves and handing out fishes at that banquet, he never did say like, I need to see your citizenship card. Yeah, right. Or, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, it was never like, okay, I'm going to feed all of you who support me. Yeah, But exactly. not anyone right. else. No, it's like everyone who is hungry can be fed. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to like the Dolly Parton thing. For mm -hmm. me. Like, you know, everyone who comes to the table is welcome. Uh, 
but you have to be nice to the other people at the table. Yeah. Well, and you know what else she did? I think what else she did is I think it was she's from Tennessee. And yes, she is. There, there was all kind like there was a how what was it that there was like the graduation rate was less than fifty percent. So she said that if you graduate, I will send you five hundred dollars, and she she would do that. And, yep. the, and the graduation rate went She's up. She's still doing it. She deserves Most the medal of kids honor. Kids in the deep south and the rural areas, the first books they ever get are books from the Dolly Parton Imagination Fund. Wow. Where she sends out five books a week or five books a month or something like that to every fucking kid who's born in wow. Tennessee and now Georgia. And I'm not sure how many other states. But the Dolly Parton Foundation sends books to kids every day. She's um, a national <clears throat> treasure and she definitely needs to have that Medal of Honor. She needs to like cancel out the fucking Rush Limbaugh thing. Oh my God, he's just so gross. And I, I just, I, mean, I just feel like she is like if she had a cult, I would join it. I know, like, me David, too. Put on this caftan, <laughs> this bubble wig, and go work the fields, and uh, we'll call you when it's time. And be like, is Dolly coming today? Do I get to meet her? Oh my god. Okay, Here's so like Dolly Parton and Carol Burnett. I yes. Think, are, like, oh my god. And there, there's and well, and then also I would add, she's gone now. But I love Valerie Bertinelli. I love her. I, I was actually just watching on YouTube, uh, Rhoda. There's all the, you know, like all these full episodes of Rhoda are on and it totally holds up. It's so funny. And I really so appreciate she was so insecure about her weight. And uh, of course, that resonates with me. And and it's just I love that she that, you know, she was so open about being insecure. And I love that show. It's like so fucking holds up to today. The humor. Brenda, her sister, was so funny. Oh, my God. I just love, love, love watching that show. And I get to, like, lately, I have been, it's been so difficult. What was the show with them and Bonnie, with her and Bonnie Franklin and Mackenzie Phillips? Was that called One Day at a Time? Um, yes, but it wasn't. No, I'm talking about Valerie Harper, not Valerie Bertinelli. Valerie oh, Bertinelli. You said Valerie Bertinelli. You did. I did? Oh. Okay, <laughs> I meant Valerie Harper. Rhoda. <laughs> okay, I'm mean, uh, rewind. My mind. I, like, I, I didn't know Valerie Bertinelli was on Rhoda. No, okay. no. Um, I, you know. Uh, and I was like, is she dead? I thought she was still alive. <laughs> <laughs> <Oops>. Anyway. <laughs> you know, that just goes to show you. I am. I, I, I said last uh, week on the show, my mind is burning out, and that's what's happening. So I will I will take my break and go on, watch all my YouTube videos and read that book, and then I'll, I'll come back ready to go. But, I get, but like, the, the shows that I'm doing from now until the end of the year are just going to be fun. They're not going to be, you know, like the, the lawyers or any huge guests talking about. I just can't fucking deal with them. I mean, we just can, me. <laughs> well, no, but, I mean, me. Bob's going to be on Monday. And then um, I'm, I, I haven't been able Those to confirm. people you're comfortable with. Yeah, just, like, fun people. People that I just don't want to have to get all serious and, you know, because it's and, and also I, f- I just feel like it's it's show after show after show. And I still going to ask you this kind of but it's like, what do you think is going to happen with Trump? What do you think Trump's going to do? It's like I'm so sick and tired of that fucking question and the answer because Trump is just going to behave like a fucking asshole. The thing that the thing that worries me, and this is kind of what I, I hear that he's going to have like some kind of big grand yeah. exit, like a flight down to a political rally on the day of the inauguration. Well, he needs and like to. all I can think about what, go ahead. He needs to, cause he's just a fucking ego pig. All I can think about is OJ and the fucking dog. Yes. Uh, Jeep. What, what did it say? Cherokee? No, was it was a uh, fuck. It was Ford. Ex- was it Explorer? Maybe I can't remember, but that's exactly what remember. I'm thinking. But yeah, I know, what you, I know what you mean. Like the ride in the white, the white, whatever it was. 
Bronco, the Bronco. There's a Bronco. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My brother had one of those for a hot minute. But I think um, I think it's color. a pacifier for him because, you know, he he can you know Mary Trump has said many times that he cannot deal with rejection. And he, you know, he's never really had to answer for anything. And this is the first time that he ever has. So I think just in order for him to not like just explode, he has to feed into this. I am the master and I will be president again in 2020. I mean, you know, he says, I, I'm so he's, sick of his I know. fat fucking head. That's what I'm saying. Just, I'm so tired <laughs> of his big, loud mouth and his huge, hideous fucking face. Yeah. I, just, I told you, like, I, I told Bob, to me, he looks like a basketball that somebody's stitched together out of old man's scrotum skin. <laughs> like, it's just so saggy and droopy and yeah. quivery and ugh, <laughs> puffy and orange and pink and, and can't even gross. get his makeup on his ears. And I just, I'm just tired of the whole sleazy, shitty, half assed Rudy Giuliani with his hair dialed. I mean, this is, it's like a grotesquerie. Mm hmm. And now we, you know, that hearing last week where it was like Rudy was farting the entire time. And then we had. You like, heard he has COVID, right? I did. Yeah. I did. And I can't find myself <laughs> feeling a, even a little bit sorry for no, him. I don't because feel sorry for him at all. He's been traveling all over the country. And yeah. like you see the footage from yesterday or sorry, day before yesterday in our state capital in Georgia. He was here mm -hmm. and hugging people and shaking hands and kissing ladies on the cheek, mm -hmm. posing for selfies and. It's just like all those people have to be contact traced now. Yeah, and they're all stupid for because would you even fucking go near anybody in the Trump world? I mean, I would. I mean, aside from the fact that they're gross people in general, but the COVID thing, you know, I wouldn't trust any of them because they don't take this seriously. It's mind blowing. It's just baffling and ghastly mm -hmm. to see that like we had a big opportunity here to unify as a country, yeah. and take on a common enemy. And like I used to say, like I kind of sometimes wish that extraterrestrials would come and threaten <laughs> us a little bit so that we could unify <laughs> as a world. Just a little bit. You know? <laughs> little did I know that if the fucking aliens came and pointed their guns at us, half the people of the country would pretend they didn't exist. Exactly. You it just be like oh, the aliens are a liberal plot. Well, just just um, to kind of switch the subject a little, I I don't usually read horoscopes. Um, occasionally I do, but when I do, I like to read them at, at certain times, like the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, stuff like that. And mm -hmm. so, or on my birthday and I don't read everybody's horoscope. I read two and there's one, this woman, and I've read her for years. Her name is Susan Miller and she writes for astrology zone and they're really long horoscopes and it, they're not the kind of horoscopes that say, um, you're going to, you know, today you're going to meet your boyfriend or whatever. It's, she, she talks about the planets and their influence. And, and then, you know, yes, she'll say it affects you in a certain way and everything. But, and, and, and I don't live my life by astrology, but I find all of it, like psychics and astrology, I think it's all fascinating. And I kind of like to, um, I don't know, I kind of like to read it and then look back later and go, is, did, did whatever they say, you know, does it either, did it come to pass? But anyway, I just, I want to say that she put, she said that what we're entering right now, um, whatever f astrological phase that we're entering, she kind of likened it to the, the roaring twenties. And she was specifically talking about the 1918 pandemic and that, you know, afterward there was kind of like this roaring twenties. And, and I don't, I can't describe to you what she was talking about because I don't know enough about astrology, but, but she said she thinks what's going to come after this 
is innovation. And, and you know, I, mm. I certainly fucking hope so. I, 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 I hope so. And, and the other thing that I wanted to say and really quick is that I have a friend who's psychic and I've, I've talked about her on the show before because she, she said that Trump was not going to... In 2016, she thought Trump was going to win and she's not a political person. So she doesn't really mm. follow politics. But she kept seeing a woman... Uh, a light-skinned black woman, and she insisted that Trump was not going to win this time. She insisted that he was last time, and she insisted that he wasn't going to this time. And I kept asking her during the primaries, I said, who do you think is going to win? And she, re- she d- I don't even think she was familiar with Kamala Harris, because I would say Kamala's name, and she didn't really know who I was talking about. But, um, mm. you know, she kept seeing a light-skinned black woman, and I just think it's interesting that she is the, you know, going to be the vice president, and perhaps the president at a later date. But she, what was, oh, God, she just made, she made a predict. Oh, I know. She predicted, and this was interesting because I didn't even, I didn't ask her. We were just talking. I called her the other day to find out how she was for Thanksgiving and whatnot. So we were just talking about stuff. And I, she said, oh, I'm trying to avoid the news. And I said, why? Because Trump's so fucking crazy. And she said, yeah, and I just don't, I don't want to hear what he has to say. And I, so I kind of filled her in on, on just some of the basics and she said to me that she like sees him in handcuffs and she's guessing it's a year to a year and a half. So I'm just putting it out there. She's wrong a lot of the time. She was right this time about Trump and she was right last time. But I mean, if, if you call her up for a reading, a lot of times she's just wrong. So um, and I don't even know what the <coughs> fuck she's talking about. So I don't I don't want to be <coughs> one of these people that says, oh, I'm going by psychics. It's like I used to, but I don't do that anymore. You know. I like for me to believe in astrology and divination of any kind is wildly at odds with my insistence on science and facts and numbers. However, but I think I read can... tarot cards. Well, see. I'll read yours. I'll, I'll do a like Christmas New Year's tarot card reading <laughs> for you. And I'm actually like, for one thing, I don't ever do it for myself, mm-hmm. and I don't ever do it for money. Right. And I am deadly accurate. Really? I have had really weird insights um, that there was no, – I mean just I'd look at the cards and I would get this flash of insight and I'm, it's really – it doesn't that's, make that's any what's, sense. That's what's, it doesn't square. Yes, it does make sense because the, the universe is so much more complicated than we know and I think we're so quick to poo-poo the stuff we don't understand. And, and, and it's like I, – well, A real astrologer did my chart for like a year, mm-hmm. the next year of my life at one time and – Oh my God, it was eerily accurate. Really? It was crazy how accurate it was. There were like four different events in the course of that year. And when I, you know, she's like, you might want to be careful around blah, blah, blah. This time I'm like, I was like, ah, oh, no, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty, pretty tough. And then like shit happened. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't my grandfather's think. heart attack. Wow. Um, I don't, I don't think you should ever like, if you're going to get a psychic reading or read horoscopes or anything like that, uh, for me, it's. You know, at, at this age of 52, I can't say I had this belief so much when I was younger, but and I was much more of a cynic because when somebody would tell me good news, I wouldn't believe it. And when they would tell me bad news, I was convinced it would happen. So I was like always a cynic. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a pacifier for me for when I wanted things and I didn't have them and I would call a psychic because I wanted them to tell me what I wanted to hear. But then even when they did, I didn't believe it. So but it was literally a pacifier. But now you know, I actually got a job at a, as a telephone psychic, but I didn't <laughs> ever follow through. I, I passed the interview, um, but the woman was like, they called me and she was like, okay, do me a reading. And I did her a reading and it was 
the scariest, most evil reading I think I've ever seen. Wow. I mean, it was just like, whack. I mean, my cards were just, my cards are really nice. Mm -hmm. Like every time I read for people, it's always, it's never like something bad is going to happen. It's mm -hmm. like, if you continue to behave in this manner, there will be consequences, right. but it gives you an out. But this woman, it was just like death, destruction, wow. pain. And I was just like, this, I don't know that I want any part of this. <laughs> like, like this person's karma is clearly fucked. And now in hindsight, like, yeah, they were ripping people off and taking people's yeah. money. And it well, see, that's uh, what sucks are those bullshit call for your, you know, I mean, uh, call for, and it's not to say that, I mean, I've met real psychics and I've had real psychic experiences in my life. So I definitely believe that psychic ability is is part of human nature. But I also think that there's a lot of charlatans and a lot of liars. And, you know, and, mm -hmm. I, and I think that people want to discount it because they don't completely understand it. I, I will go with science first. That's what you, you need to put, you know, logic and science and all of that. That is what, that's how you proceed. That's what you base your decisions in life over. But then, but then there's another side of life. There's that side of life that, you know, you get, you get intuition. People are so quick to say, oh, it's intuition. But then they say, I don't believe in psychic. It's like, that's the same thing. It's the same fucking thing. Yeah, Intuition, people discount intuition and they, they call it feminine intuition. And that right. really, to me, is just a way of discounting yes. women's uh, perceptive, perceptiveness and shrewdness. Yeah. I mean, cause like your gut will tell you things. I don't know. My mom was incredibly intuitive and was kind of disgustingly psychic that you would like tell her a lie and she would be like you know that was a good story and you wove some details from reality into it to make it more realistic and i appreciate that effort but i kind of need to know what really happened and you'd be like damn it woman yeah. you know but i mean oh god but then I've, I've inherited that ability yeah i remember i was with my ex and we were in a huge argument and he told me this big fat lie and it just came out of his mouth with red flashing lights all over wow. and i was like and before i even knew what i was doing i said that's a lie like like <laughs> and he was he, he exploded he's like no it's not and i was like oh it is a lot um yeah it was weird i called my mom and was like i've got the gift like wow it was, i never could figure out i mean i don't know You're, well like, you know my grandmother um let me okay so the one i told you about the catholic grandmother she had a jesuit brother and like it was her brother and and so he joined and he he anyway so his mother died and when she died my uncle he's my great uncle stanley he heard he heard something like he was at church and he heard his mother say something to him and he knew he knew she died and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I've heard of things like that. And, you know, the, uh, there was another thing that my grandfather. Well, I have weird twin shit all the time. I have a twin brother. Oh, really? Well, I'm and, sure like, that's. There have been times when I've been just like all of a sudden in a terrible mood and I can't figure out what's wrong with me. There's been no external change. Yeah. And I call my brother and like one time that happened and he just found out that a friend of his had been killed in a car. Oh, accident. my God. And it was just one of those like twin alert moments. Yeah. So. But I, you know, and we'll like show up places dressed in the same colors, so but funny. like different outfits. Yeah. Like I'll show up in a pair of navy blue corduroys and a green sweatshirt, and he'll show up in a pair of blue jeans and a green like you wow. know t-shirt or whatever. But it's just like the exact same shade. You know what's weird? Green. Bob and I do that. We dress alike, and we don't plan on it. It's so weird. 
it's quantum entanglement. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's the thing. It's like, so, I okay, we are that. past the 30 minute mark and we have not even <laughs> talked about my single, what I'm here. Okay. So we, we have, have to talk about your single. Can we I, talk about me? I am, I am unable to play it. Unfortunately, I don't have all the modern technology that Bob has. So what I'm going to do just before we start talking about it is I will link your song into the description of the Patreon uh, post that I'm putting up today. And I really, I want to say this sincerely. This is a fucking awesome song. And I'm not somebody who just says that. I don't, I I mean, I really don't. I I definitely give my guests and stuff praise. But I'm going to say without any hesitation that your song is really, really good. Okay, go. I'm blushing. I literally (laughs) am blushing. I sincerely um, mean that. It, it's another, like, our, like our last song, the Waiting for the World to End, was very 2020. I feel like this song is very of the moment. Um, and what's called it called? Sad Season. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and it's not about the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, I wrote the lyrics the day that I found out that a friend of mine had taken her life early in the pandemic. That's so awful. And... Um, we never got to have a funeral and we never got yeah. to talk as a community about what she meant to us. Right. Um, and so the song is a tribute to her and to all the people we've lost this year. And just like that feeling of uncertainty um, that we have now when we see someone for yeah. the last, we don't know if this right. is going to be the last time I see this person or yeah. not, you know. I, know. Um, I hate that. Yeah, it really like, but you know, it's kind of one of those things where it makes me appreciate the contacts that I do have in the mm-hmm. time that I do get to spend with people so much more. Yeah. Um, I just lap it up. I'm like, oh, a conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like, I mean, I don't know. It's one of the things like, you talk about astrology? I am an archetypal Gemini. I'm a bubbly, bright eyed, like curious, hyperactive, like sometimes shallow. <laughs> I'm a deeply superficial person. Um, you know, but like, uh, I just like I, I get a huge amount of like my thinking done mm-hmm. by talking. Yeah, uh, and that's why you know therapy is great for me. Right. And my therapist is I'm I'm pretty sure sometimes that if I you know my therapist might actually pay to like hear me instead <laughs> of the other way around because it's I, it's you know I have this like compulsive need to make everything funny. No, the you know what? I had a therapist is. once, and she told me that I was her most entertaining client. <laughs> I've been told that as well. Usually, she, he was just like, "You're very entertaining," but, uh, but he That's also, so I mean, also told me, "Like, you don't have to entertain me. You right. can put all that down and just be yourself." Here. Yeah. The thing that he keeps saying to me through the whole COVID thing is, he's like, "You do not have to be a human doing right now. All you have to be is a human being." Right. Um. And if I wasn't behind on my rent by a month, that would be more comforting. But, you know, <laughs> it'll work out. Well, um, I, so the song, but yeah. um, go ahead. No, I was just going to bring it back to the song that your song has this. I mean, it's really it's so good. It, there's like a haunting quality, but it's also haunting in a positive way. Not not in a I mean, it's sad, but at the same time, I don't know. It's just very representative of what we're all experiencing right now. So there's this kind of camaraderie feeling, you know, like we all understand it. At least that's what I felt when I heard it. And, and I'm very difficult. When, I mean, there, there are certain songs. You're picky. I'm picky. And it takes me a while. This song, I immediately liked it. Occasionally I, I happen a song upon a song that I'm like, I love it instantly. 
but it's something usually usually songs take me a while not this one this one was instant like oh my god this is such a great song so you guys have to listen to it i'm gonna put it in the um patreon description don't forget don't forget or you can go to our band our website at Bandcamp. you could do it's that astral astral summer it's a-s-t-r-a-l-s-u-m-m-e-r dot bandcamp dot com um and it's there with some other songs and uh yeah it's one of the first things you know all my life as a musician i've been the singer and i write the lyrics but i've never really played instruments and i've never been an engineer and producer although i've really enjoyed the process of mixing Mm -hmm. mixing okay so mixing for non-musicians mixing is when you've got everything recorded and you now have to arrange it Mm. in the mix Mm -hmm. you have to figure out what's how loud everything is you have to make everything audible and figure out like how much echo and you have to eq it but you can do like all kinds of magical shit in there i love mixing but for the first you know since covid came i had to put my regular band compromat on hiatus uh because you know just mixing with people and I had to learn to do a whole bunch of stuff on my own. <laughs> and every time we record something, I learn like 10 new things about recording. Hmm. And it's exciting and it's kind of thrilling, but also sometimes it's like fumbling around with an electrical cord in your hand looking for a light switch in the dark. You know, like just trying to figure out how does this work exactly? But so this is like the first thing I've ever like produced and engineered and, you know, everything. But, you know, Dave played the bass and the guitars and we talked about like how to mic them and stuff to get a certain sound. But it just really like came together and it's, you know, I'll hate it in a week because I'm listening to it like over and over and over. And then I'll be like, oh, I got to make another song. But like right now it's in that you're in that moment of like actually the same way about I feel like painting my bathroom on Saturday. I just go in there and turn the lights on and look at the walls like, oh, it's so much nicer. But yeah. (laughs) Well, I like I said, I mean, it's a great song and it just it like came out of you, which I think is usually when, especially with creative people, when you don't have to really think about it and it just comes out of you, I think it's usually the best. It's the, you know, I mean, when I, when I was writing Peyton's Choice, that's the story about a teenager who chooses an abortion. I, I, I mean, I've written, this was the first attempt at non, at fiction, I mean. I had written nonfiction. And while I enjoyed writing it, especially like when I was writing American Woman, that book is a combination of, I, you know, I, I definitely had to go to sources because I talked about different women in history who have accomplished things. And then so I, you know, I had to go look them up. And it was a little bit like homework, which I never liked in mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was work. And, you know, and then there were some chapters where I just wrote from my own experience and those were easy because I didn't have to look anything up. I just could remember and write and analyze. But then when I wrote the fiction book, I had to create the story. And what I found so fascinating, and I haven't written a fiction book since, and, and I, I imagine maybe one day in the future I might, but it would. there was this one particular Saturday, and it was the Saturday that I had to write their first time sexual experience. And mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the young girl and her boyfriend. And I remember like not knowing what the fuck I was going to do. And I just sat down and I think for eight or nine hours I wrote to the point mm-hmm. where at the end of the day I was fucking dizzy. I was so dizzy and 
but it w- it just poured out of me. I wasn't in my mind thinking, okay, they have to do this. The, it just was a movie playing in my head, and I was just recording what I was seeing. And it that's was, when your characters are, are alive. Yeah, and it when was like just, the when most you're exciting. just a transcriptionist and you're following them. Yeah, I, it was um, thrilling. It was it was it was just an absolutely thrilling experience to write that book. And you know, I mean, I I based it very loosely on my own teenage years. I never had an abortion. And the the girl in the book, her name is Peyton, but my mom wanted to name me Peyton, and my grandmother said mm-hmm. no, and I wish my name would have been Peyton. But anyway, uh, you know, I named her Peyton, and she had a 4.0 grade point, uh, yeah, 4.0 grade point average, which I did not have. <laughs> she went to UCLA, which I did not, I did not attend. But you know, I mean, I I took my own experiences living in Torrance, California, which was a beach town, and it was just it was like this wonderful experience for me. And then I just you know put the story. You know, I had three best friends and we used to I put this in the book that every Sunday morning and then we would do this. There was this rule that we would we would all go have breakfast and nobody was allowed to wear makeup. And so my friend drove this awesome fucking 57 Chevy and we'd all pile into the cab and we would go down to the beach and, and go to this like rusty spoon at the beach and have breakfast. And it was fucking awesome. I loved it so much. What music do you associate with that time? It was all 80s, you know, it was like probably. Yeah, that's why I, mean, I grew up at the same time. We're like the same age. So yeah. I'm curious, like what you guys were listening to. Uh, well, what I mean, I'm sure it was like the uh, I'm trying to think this was probably Cure, like Grand I was never a Cure person. I never liked the Cure. Don't tell Jen Kirkman, but I just never liked the Cure. But um, was it Jen Kirkman? Yeah, no, she likes Morrissey. Sorry, I don't like Morrissey either. But um, I'm not a Cure person. <sighs> but I, I am a former <laughs> like the Smiths were awesome. I never but Morrissey by himself has been – he's one of those people who's been famous for so long they've forgotten how to be a person. <laughs> and he's just like – he says these terrible racist things and you're like, dude, yeah, knock it off. I don't even pay attention. Like, I just don't like his music. It's too whiny for me. There's one song – there was that one song I liked, uh, the, bond, the, the Bond That Will Bring Us Together. You know what I'm talking about? The bomb, the bomb, the, the bomb. bomb that, or the bomb. Yeah. The bomb that will bring ask us together. Me, me, right. Me, I like that uh, song. If it's not love, then right. it's love. I, I do a really wicked Morrissey, but. Um, <laughs> I like that song. If I must say so myself. <laughs> um, but, you know, I feel like you're, you know, you were talking about how when the writing just like comes off the top of your head, yeah. it just says the words that are in your heart. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with these lyrics. Like, right. The, the first line was just like already, it was like I was filling in a Mad Lib or something. Yeah. It was just like, write this down before it gets away. Right. Um, wow. One and of my favorite songs best. of all time, You're in the Sweet Dreams, which I just feel like is this magnificent, yeah. like perfect little haiku of a song. If you've ever looked at the lyrics... There's no. only like six lines really? to the whole song. No. And you're like, is that all there is? Because, I mean, she's singing the same thing <laughs> twice. Right. I mean, and I, my brother and I have argued, you know, vehemently uh, whether or not Sweet Dreams Are Made of This is the chorus or the verse. Wow. Because it really is just like the center of the song. Yeah. And anyway, I think it's brilliant. But the way that it came together, it's to me such a lesson because like, okay, so you're in mix. Like Dave and Annie had been in a band called The Tourists that like had a one minor top 10 hit in in the uk that was a cover and it, i think it charted in australia and they were on tour in australia when their guitar player like took way too much hallucinogenic something and freaked out and had to go to the mental hospital and the band broke up wow and they had put out an album together as you and it bombed hmm. and they're like in a hotel room and they were the first album it's called in the garden it's brilliant hmm. most people i don't it's amazingly good most people maybe know it's there but so they were like in a hotel room, running out of money, irritated with each other, 
like, I think they had been together and broken up at this point and we're still stuck in a hotel room <laughs> together. <laughs> and it was like the middle of the night and Dave made this riff on the synthesizer and was like, Annie, will you sing something on this? And she was like, no, I'm not in the mood. I want to go to bed. And he was like, it's really good. Just sing just something. And she's like, no. And he was like, please. And so she's like, fine. And picked up the mic and sang the first thing that came into her head. Sweet dreams are made of this. Who am wow. I to disagree? And then she was like, fine. Are you happy? He's like, oh, that's brilliant, honey. You know? And she's like, I'm going to bed. And it's like. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it became, it's like, I mean, that melody and those words, it's like this fucking Rosetta Stone of like, elect, you know, 80s pop. It just was yeah. this whole universe unto itself and i just think it's brilliant and i love the fact that she was just like i'm gonna just do this so i can go to sleep now Are you happy like <laughs> wow yeah i love that that's story. so cool and then, you know they were like at the end of their rope like yeah. it just like completely like i just don't you know yeah like do i even want to be a musician wow and and then and you know boom. the universe just said universe just said hell yes you do <laughs> I just she saw... talks about that moment. I taught her, saw her in a talk show, and she was like, "Getting famous was like you've been banging on this door, yeah. this big, big door, and you've been banging on it and banging on it to the point as long as you even forget why you're banging on it, and then one day it just swings open. Yep, yep. And before you know it, you realize that it's never closing again. Right. Well, I mean, that never um, happened to me, but I totally get it. Where it's like you're. I mean, in a way, that kind of happened with um with Bob because I you know, lived my life as an adult without a, a, a committed relationship. I had my first boyfriend at 18, cheated on me twice, and, and I didn't have another one since, and it wasn't because of him, but until Everybody's Bob, boyfriend cheats on them when they're 18. 18-year-olds 18 right. are psychopaths. <laughs> yeah, so it's it like, really, I mean, really, like teenagers, and like until you get into your mid-20s or so and your brain is still hardening, you really don't have a clear-cut sense of right and wrong, yeah. I think. Um, so, no, I mean, and, I know you know, it's I mean, awful to get cheated my, on. I've been cheated on myself. My poor, bo bo that boyfriend was, um, I mean, if you knew him, you just call him poor Bill. <laughs> He's just, right. he was so sweet and he that, was very cute. So many of the people that I wish I had, like, t beaten the shit out of or taken revenge on time has taken care of it for me. Yeah. You know, well, that that's like, true, and I mean, you know what? I don't even hold, uh, I don't even hold any kind of animosity for him. I just, I feel sorry for him. He has, he has issues with alcohol. His mother was a wretched human being, and she kicked him out when he was, <laughs> he was fifteen years old and living in abandoned buildings. And eventually, he wound up moving in with me and my mom because he didn't have anywhere to live, and he lived with us for six months. And it was just too much. Eventually, I just I, I broke up with him, and then I, I I felt really bad for him. And then, of course, he turned to drugs and alcohol. At least I do know that he got married, and he's got two sons who appear. I mean, of course, I see it on Facebook. We we used to be friends on Facebook. Um, until Facebook mm -hmm. took away my page and we're not friends anymore, but he's not very bright. I mean, he's just, he's never, but you know what the weird thing is, is I, uh, he but you was, know, if he's, he, wait, ahead. wait, he was, he, we would play Scrabble. My mom and me and Bill would play Scrabble and my mom is fucking smart. My mom is like, she took the test to get into Mensa and she passed. She chose not to go in, but she's fucking way smart. And we would play Scrabble with him and he would, I'm not even kidding. He would just throw random letters and pretend it's a word, and we would challenge him, and every fucking time it was a word. And he didn't know. He was just guessing. He would just throw random word letters together. It was so weird. And he I won have every actually Scrabble learned game. that. Hey, I'm so sorry. Somebody called and it bumped us offline. <laughs> That's okay. Well, you were going to say. That was the last thing I said. You said you were actually going to say that, but um, we were talking about Bill who won every Scrabble game. 
by accident. <laughs> oh, I found that having a really big vocabulary is not a really good indication of whether or not you're. But get he didn't have the vocabulary. He literally just nobody randomly. knew the points, values, and stuff, and he knew where to, you know, and he yeah. just had various ideas. Like this looks like a word. He knew how to game the system. So. He did know how to do that, but he was not bright. Not at all. He was not a bright guy. And um, but he was super sweet. He was so sweet. But the thing is, taking it back to like my whole life, you know, we broke up when I was 18 and then I didn't have a boy. I dated people and whatnot, but I never had a boyfriend. And then when I met Bob, it was just like you said, the door just swung open. It wasn't like what she said about it never goes back. I mean, but it's true. It's like. I doubt that Bob and I are ever going to break up. I, I don't want to say anything like to jinx it, but we, we have, we just fit, you know, we, we fit. And, uh, it's like now there's no going back because it's like, and, and I'm thankful, but it was so interesting because I didn't, uh, I, I didn't give a shit. I used to give a shit. That's all I cared about was I wanted to, I wanted to be loved and I wanted to be in a relationship and I always had a difficult time. I, and I, and I believe part of the reason why is because I just didn't believe in myself. And I honestly had such issues with my body that I didn't feel comfortable that anybody would accept me for who I was. If I was just home alone looking like shit, you know, no makeup. It's, I don't look like shit, shit, but you know, I don't gussy it no, up. I went through all of that and I, I, like, I didn't have my first like serious romantic relationship until I was probably 24, which doesn't seem that young and le- until you're 24 <laughs> and you've like never had a serious boyfriend and all, all your friends are like people are getting married and like, you're just like, God, am I just like the love leper? Like yeah. what's the problem yeah, here? And then it like. happened. And again, it's like you're saying, it yeah, was the so door swings open. Oh. and it wasn't like, and none of the like quizzes I took in cosmopolitan, exactly. none of that had anything to do with that. It no. was still, it was just like, you met this person and they fit. And yeah, you were and like, it's oh, it's different. Thank God. Like when you fit, I'm it's so just, glad you're here. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't. <clears throat> and the thing was, is like I didn't care uh, anymore. I I wasn't, I wasn't against relationships. I just didn't give a shit. I thought I don't give a shit if I meet anybody. I just don't care. And I think I told you this the last oh, time. Oh we boy, were I did. I was so lonely. Oh, no. Well, I I just didn't care because um, the last guy I went out with was. I think I told you about him. He had an issue with anger, and he screamed at me. And I felt like if mm. we were in the same room, because he was long distance. And if we were in the same room, I he might have hit me. And I just thought after that, I was and so glad. And then you might have had to kill the motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. But I was just so glad to be happens. rid of him. Like, I didn't want to fucking deal with him. He was very clingy. And he demanded too much of my time, even in a long-distance relationship. So it was like, goodbye. Yeah, fucking I had one goodbye. of those. I had to cut him loose. It's too much, man. I just didn't, I just, you know, and I having knew. a long distance relationship to me is like buying a bed and then putting it in someone else's house. Exactly. Like it's like, just like you don't we'll get any of the benefits of it. One day you we'll get all be the together. consequences. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I, I just, but you know, when I met Bob, I'm too it tactile. did, it, <laughs> it, it did sink, like it did fit. The door swung open and it did fit. But before we go, I do want to kind of just ask you and I want to bring it back to the reason I brought up the astrology thing was that because her whole take on this is that, you know, we might be seeing a roaring 20s situation. And I'm just like, I'm not sure what to believe about this country because so many people are are locked into a cult and not 74 million of them, but a good, good fucking portion are locked into this cult. There's all these people who don't want to believe science. They don't want to wear a mask. But at the same time, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had said, especially 
pertaining to politics that it's like the pendulum it always swings and so i'm just do you, like in your gut do you have this feeling of where things are going to go granted we've got this you know yay biden won but we don't know if we're going to get the senate and we don't know what's going to happen in 22 and 2022 and 2024 so it's like do you have this overall kind of feeling of where we're going something that we're not in our universe as you know attuned to the the granular details of is the crisis that's happening in the republican party right now mm-hmm. between the just the kind of veal pen sort of like kelly loffler kind of rigid not very smart appointed to the position not able to compete in the free market like Mm -hmm. it's that the rubber is meeting the road in some ways for them and i feel i'm I'm not sure what's going to come out of this but i do feel like there's a reckoning in hand i don't feel Mm -hmm. like we're going to collapse into civil war Mm -hmm. like some people think we are because i feel like the population is too diverse like the south is not going to break away from shit because the south is really brown and Georgia just turned blue, you know, and I, yeah. I do feel good about the elections in January, the runoffs. I feel like both David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler have shown themselves to be like completely inept at campaigning, completely mm-hmm. ridiculously bad at debating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they've been, ha- I mean, they really are just like the entitled rich people. Yeah. Like they're like that couple with their guns outside their mansion. Right. Yeah. March by. Um, and I think that they look, I mean, every day goes by, they look worse. So, uh, and like the debate last night where Purdue didn't even show up. And then I don't know if you saw, but Loeffler's performance was just like. I didn't see, but like, I, I saw the, the comments. Oh my I God. See. I was like, I had no idea you could Botox yourself from head. <laughs> like, I mean, she was so completely rigid that, and she just kept spitting out the same five talking points again and again and again and again and again to the point that it was just like, do you are you okay? Do you have a closed head wound or something that we don't know about? Because I mean, she really was just like a malfunctioning robot. Right. Um, and look, she didn't, you know, she was appointed to that seat. She's never had to right. campaign. She's never had to like get her hands dirty or mm-hmm. debate or back any of the crap up. And, you know, Raphael Warnock just ran circles around her because yeah. he's warm and personable and natural and mobile. <laughs> you know, but she really was just like, she stood there just rigid and smirking the whole time. Yeah. She, you know, and, it was just everyone's a joke, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, everyone's making a joke of it because it was just, I mean, it was so comically inept. Uh, so I feel like, and I, you know, the fact that like our secretary of state in my state and the governor are getting death threats and mm-hmm. people are like showing up at their houses with weapons, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, yeah, I don't know if the Republican Party is going to fracture, mm-hmm. or I, I, but I do feel like. For the time being, they are going to be eaten up with enough internecine squabbles that we can get some shit done. Hmm. Um, And I think that these first two years of the Biden presidency, if we do secure the Senate, and I think we will, because I think that there's so much disarray in the Republican Party right now that, um, I mean, they are just a mess. And so uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I... you know, my ever since 2016, when everything went off the rails to the darkest timeline, I've been very loath to make predictions right. of any kind, um, because it just seems like everything just goes way worse than I thought it could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I would like to think 
you know, we really accomplished a miracle, though, because usually once an authoritarian dictator is in power, they do not let go. And he still yeah. isn't out of there yet. No, he's he still isn't. trying to overturn the election. Yeah. But I think, as I said on Bob's show, he's I think he's shrinking. Yeah. He's getting smaller and That's smaller. That's what I think is happening. That's what I think is happening, too. And um, it's disgraceful and it's annoying and it's just, you know, more of the same from a person who is really the oldest seven year old on the planet. Mm hmm. Um, but I think the fact that the people have spoken and that the elections were in fact free and fair and that they can't overturn them says a lot about us as a society is usually that you, you know, authoritarian dictators do not get unelected. Right. They manage to rig it and, you know, they manage to accomplish what he's trying to accomplish right now. When we talk about what that's going to mean in terms of uh, half the country believing that Biden's election is illegitimate. Mm -hmm. The, you know, suck it up, guys. That's what we thought in 2016. And we were, you know, we dealt with yeah. it. We coped. We pulled it together for four years. It's like, you'll deal. Yeah. Um, and eventually, I think once he is taking up less and less oxygen from the media cycle. Yeah. Um, he, his whole of those people will become less and less, uh, you know, intractable. Right. Um, uh, like so, so overall, then you, Trump you, is you, feel Gemini. Ho- you feel hopeful, uh, and and I look at him and I see like all the things that I could be if I hadn't had good parents, you know, and yeah. a decent upbringing, and I had you know someone to jerk me down out of the clouds when I was being too narcissistic, like my twin brother, who years you know years and years ago there was like my you know our bands were on the ascent. I was playing a big club in Atlanta, and I was being just a dick when I my brother like jerked me out of the arm mm-hmm. out in the hall and was like, "You're not a rock star yet." <laughs> you don't get to act that way and i was like "Ooh, i was mad yeah, i was so yeah. mad i didn't talk to him the whole way back to athens but then the next day i was like he's right yeah. i was being a dick <laughs> like um so i mean and no one's ever been that check on donald trump so, right i mean i see like but like gemini's man hard to kill like the toffee with a gemini <laughs> but i do think you he's know? shrinking and i do agree he managed to evade arrest for a long time mm-hmm. and then when it caught up with him it was ugly and i just i think that like Things yeah. are going to catch up with Donald Trump. Yeah, he's got too many fires out there that he's set and run away from. For you know, I just feel like there's too many debtors. There's too many. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now he's like, being sued by tenants. Um, all these tenants are suing him for some kind. I can't remember exactly what it is, but you know, is raising their rents or doing something that he w- was illegal. So it's a whole bunch of people that are suing him. Uh, you know, obviously there's going to be lawsuits. It's going to be lawsuit Palooza. And I know that the New York AG is basically just biding her time. Hopefully she'll have it ready. Uh, you know, right after the oh, inauguration. 60 something, 67, I think sealed indictments waiting and ready to go. There you go. We just, um, we need it waiting and ready to go so she can walk up and put cuffs on him. But it was funny that my friend, friend happened to see him in cuffs to a year and a year and a half meaning going to prison that's what that's how she's taking it so you know we'll see uh you know she was she was pretty right she she actually predicted she thought that he was going to win texas and florida so she was wrong there but she did see michigan and uh pennsylvania and wisconsin and uh, and i think it's interesting because she has even though she has an investment in it because it's politics and we all have an investment in it she's not a political junkie so it's not like she's she can sit there and talk to you about this and really have any understanding of what she's talking about so the sometimes fact those she, people's input though in terms of getting the macro view because i mean we're like so buried in the minutiae yeah 
you know, we like mm-hmm. we do, you know, see things that Marco Rubio says on Twitter. Like, right. and I, I do sometimes really like to get the opinions of people who are not yes as jacked into it. Right. As we so are. They're, they're just looking um, at it from an overall sense. Maybe they're watching the nightly news and then, you know, that's it. But um, maybe seeing a little bit on the computer. But that's pretty much what she does. I mean, she sees things on the computer, but the people that she's friends with are are usually not the political types. I think she's probably got a lot of people that want to call her for psychic ratings. And so, you know, and then I'll say, you know, once again, she's not the greatest, but she's had her moments. So I just I always like I always just think it's fun to kind of revisit after you know, a certain prediction is made or whatever and go back and say, oh, that happened or, oh, that didn't happen. So anyway, I should I should wrap this up. So before we go, um, I, first of all, I want to remind everybody that you need to, okay, what was that website you were telling me? Astral? Bandcamp. It's Astral Summer. That's the name of the band. Okay. Uh, A-S-T-R-A-L-S-U-M-M-E-R.bandcamp.com. Okay. All right. And all our songs are there. Um yeah, that's Bandcamp is really cool because if people buy the song there and they can for a dollar and a half, which mm-hmm. is, come on, guys. I know, a dollar and fifty. Um, you can buy it for a dollar and a half, and then you have a high quality download that will work on all different media. Uh, but uh, they, they give the money, you know, straight to the artists, and there's no middleman record company like hosing up all your right. revenues. Right. That's so, perfect. And so please then, listen to our song and buy it. And yeah, check it out. Really yeah. check it out because honestly, it's really good, and and I think you might like it. So, and buy it for a buck fifty, man. It's a Christmas present if you like it. So, and then where else? Can, where can they find you on social media? What's all, what's all your linkage? I am <laughs> at Patreon.com/slash/the T Rex Report. That's just T H E T R E X Report. Um, no hyphens or anything. And I'm on Twitter at Compromat Band. Uh, that's K-O-M-P-R-O-M-A-T band. And of course, I will um, be including those links in the description of the show too. And you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E. And then you can also find all my books on Amazon. And don't forget, all us podcasters and, and creatives, whether you're writing a book or not, we need reviews. I say that all the time, but I don't think people fully understand it. Although I have to say everybody has been really cool. I've been getting reviews on my Apple podcast. So I appreciate that because nice. those are very important for me. And you know, I have a little ditty about you that that's how I remember to explain your name. It's Kimberly with an E. Um. There you go. It's so easy I'll write to your remember. Themes, your theme music for the podcast. But my mom had to go and stick that la- that extra E in L-E-Y. So. But anyway, it was awesome talking to you as always, and I hope that you have it's a wonderful... It's always my honor to be on your show. I hope you have a wonderful uh, December, at, you know, knowing that we're on our way out of this fucking nightmare. So, uh, yeah, and we'll have to do a tarot. I know, I, isn't it, is that how you say it? Tarot? Yep. Tarot. We'll do we'll do and, a tarot, um, even though I shouldn't. But I'll what the fuck? I'll do. I do an old school Celtic cross reading, ten cards, wow. and uh, talks about your past, your future, what factors are making things the way they are, what you can do, how you can manipulate the forces in your life to change it. It's cool. Cool. Well, I'm gonna do it, um, and then uh, right we'll, we'll see what happens. But anyway, you have a good day. So happy holidays. Happy to holidays. You and Bob. Happy New Year. Stay home. Stay COVID-free, listeners. Yes. Thank you for supporting my friend Kimberly here. (laughs) All right. Well, I just love you, David, and you have a good one. I love you. You take care. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye. (laughs)